on this week's episode of Marketing O'Clock. More presence from Google Ads. Positive changes are coming to PMAX in the form of negatives. OpenAI has a new ChatGPT OpenAPI to help kickstart innovation. All on today's show. Welcome, you are listening to Marketing O'Clock. Just stay tuned. Digital marketing news, but let's get specific. Digital ads, SEO, and analytics, social media, and more. Pretty much everything that'll make your website perform. New shows every Friday. We give you the news with sass and puns and definitely high takes. Thank you for tuning in. You know what time it is. It's officially marketing o'clock. Settle in, sit back, keep it locked. Hey there, I'm Christine Zernhel. AKA Shop. I'm Jessica Lee Bud. And I'm Greg Finn. And it is officially marketing o'clock. Here on March 3rd, 2023. Hello, everybody. Thank you for joining us for another fabulous, fantastic episode. You're back. Yes, Yay. I'm back. I, if you listen to our podcast that we release, we I guess we'll just plug this here. We have a fantastic marketing a talk um, that we have live wherever you're listening to this with Mike Ryan, where him, Greg, and I are talking all things PMAX. I'm covering the lead gen side, um, and Mike is covering the ecom side, and it's really we got so many amazing insights from him. So definitely listen to that. But I came in for Monday morning to record that and I like hadn't said anything yet that day. And my voice is just gradually like falling apart throughout <laughs> the episode. <laughs> so apologies to anyone who has to listen to that. But luckily I didn't have to be on Wednesday because Nicole stepped in for me. So thank you, Nicole. Greg, what is new with you? Well, Justin and I were talking about it. Being super healthy, just trying to do everything we can to be healthy people and one of those things is smokeless nicotine. Zin's here as it helps to combat many ailments. Mm -hmm. So Okay, I want to talk about this. Yes. Mr. Correlation does not equal causation in marketing, but we're just going to let it equal causation in health and wellness. Well, science is science. And, okay. Like there's data. I would like to figures. speak to a doctor who said that you pop in Zin's is going to help. What did you say it's good for? Parkinson's? Parkinson's, yes. Okay. Oh, so we got a little packet here. I don't really know what to do with these. I think you just throw it in. It's a smelling salt. No? There we go. Just put it up your nose. Where do I tuck this? I don't know. Tuck it in your, in your mouth. Top this or bottom? perfect for podcasts. Just so everyone knows, I'm against this, and this podcast does not support nicotine products. What am I supposed to do with it? Just like put it in the... Now you're supposed to record a podcast with something in your mouth. And I look time. ridiculous. That like, makes a lot of sense. Yeah, we should also just like start eating a sandwich too. Tables, you want some? Sure. For Where the name, I, in the name of health. I don't want to look like those boys in college that were always chewing tobacco. Yeah, you don't, because no, those guys thumbs down. Okay, right. That's why I don't want to be like that. From me, Got a little tingle of health I can feel coming through, pulsing through, like vitality coming back through. It just reminds me of. Do you remember those, um, like Listerine breath strips, and you would just like burn your entire mouth? It's getting a little burny though. And it's really nice. It's pretty, pretty nice. Okay, so good luck to you. I hope that you don't get Parkinson's, and I ho also hope you don't develop a nicotine addiction. Is this gonna hurt our mouths? Yes, I'm mm -hmm. sitting here judging you. How could it? Shep, you have always made it a point to not judge me. Please don't start now. <laughs> I'm judging Greg for literally like being a drug dealer live on this podcast. I got it at 7-Eleven down the street mm -hmm. along with the protein cookie. It's legal and safe, and I'm a follower. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm judging you, and do you know who else I'm judging? All of the people listening to this, 
who do not subscribe to us on YouTube. We are so close to hitting a major milestone of 1,000 subscribers. And guess what? Many, many more than 1,000 people watch the show every week. And I don't know what I need to say to you to hit that subscribe button and subscribe to our show. So we need to hit 1,000 people before I have this baby. I mean, what are we doing here? So, I I find <laughs> come on, you guys. We got to do it this week. Subscribe to our show. Every person who subscribes this week will mention you in the YouTube video comments and we'll send you something nice. We've got stickers. I'll put the names up. We've got hospital grade <clears throat> cups. We've got a lot of stuff we've got here. Zins. No, we we're, got not, we're not giving that away. We tried to be nice about it last week and now I'm just going to bully people. So, please subscribe to our show. Thank you. Jess, what's new with you? I Nothing. <laughs> A nicotine addiction. <laughs> Apparently. Wow. I'm just, I want to understand. Am I supposed to spit it out? I don't know. Does it? I'm feeling warm. I know. <laughs> right. Do you have the directions on that thing? I've been in hiccups in so no. long. I'm like super lightheaded and hiccuping. Okay, well, you guys are enjoying that. We'd like to take a minute to talk about something near and dear to all of us digital marketers. In today's digital first world, many marketers underestimate the value of phone calls, of course. Yes, it's true. Phone calls are still a critical part of the sales process. So if you aren't tracking and attributing calls for your marketing campaigns, then you are missing out on leads and revenue. Luckily, there are options out there like call tracking metrics. With call tracking metrics, or as we like to call it CTM because we're doing the ad reads and it's a lot to say, Marketers can track and attribute every online and offline lead to exactly which campaign is driving it. So stop guessing and start making confident data-backed decisions with call tracking metrics. Visit calltrackingmetrics.com to request your free demo today. That's calltrackingmetrics.com and we're excited to dig into some of our favorite features on this fabulous platform later in the show. Okay, let's get serious here and talk about some news. In the news? <laughs> Okay, go. Tweet from our ads liaison, Jenny Marvin, on February 23rd. She has a thread here with some exciting PMAX updates, and she made a point to say, thank you for your feedback. So they've clearly been listening to our cries. And interestingly enough, I talked about our um, marketing a talk that we have with Mike Ryan that is available to listen to now. We recorded that a couple days before these announcements came out. And many of these things were on our wish list for what we would want for PMAX to improve it. So did you have a crystal ball? I think Jenny was just like got an advanced recording or like hacked our Zoom account or something. I mean, these were all fully original ideas that nobody had said before in the past. I can't tell if you're joking. Okay, so the biggest one, and she has a drum emoji because this deserves a drum roll. She says campaign level brand exclusions for branded queries or search and shopping inventory. Campaign-level brand exclusions will apply to most misspellings and brand searches in a foreign language. And then she links to a blog post that explains this a little bit more in depth. And you should notice here that she does not say negative keywords. So this is not live yet. Nobody knows what this is going to look like yet. But it seems like it's not going to be a traditional negative keyword list that we're used to. Uh, from the article, it says applying these exclusions will help block traffic from most brand misspellings and brand searches in a foreign language. You'll be able to exclude your own brand name and choose from a list of brands to exclude. If any brands are missing from the list, you'll see an option in Google Ads to request additions. So again, we'll have to see what this looks like when it rolls out, but definitely 
better than what we have now, which is no exclusions. Right. So let me try to poke holes in how this could fall apart. Let's say that you are a, a company, let's say Nike, right? And you're trying to not target people looking for a Pegasus running shoe or a trademarked term of theirs. If you can only put in Nike, Nike sporting equipment, Nike clothing, that Pegasus might not fall under there. So hopefully there's an ability to put in sub-brands or trademarked terms or things like that that are kind of like brand adjacent, I'd say. That would be nice. I was just thinking about myself and the basics would work. For most of my accounts. Yeah, yeah, for yeah, for both <laughs> of them. But if you've got like a, a tool that's got a code name or it's a certain type of software that's made by a different company and the brand is locked in and you can't then take out that software term, that could be an issue. Yeah. So we'll have to see what this looks like again when it rolls out. Mike Ryan tweeted an interesting point about this. He said, reminder, Google always understood the implications of brand performance inflation in PMAX. This document from May 2020 well before the hullabaloo in 2022. I'm really glad they're acknowledging and addressing it with brand exclusions for PMAX. So this is an article that says in part, so this is an article that says, it's important to review all factors that can contribute to performance differences between your search and shopping campaigns, such as, and there's a list of five or six items here, and at the very top says brand versus non-brand campaigns. So whatever, I guess maybe we learn that if we whine enough, we'll get some change made. Yes, and as much heck as we give Google sometimes, this is something we should be praising them for. Yes. They listened, and Ginny we trust. Thank you, thank, thank you, you, thank you. Thank you, Ginny. Next up, another great addition, I think. She says, page feed support in PMAX will help you send search traffic to a specific set of landing page URLs on your site. Help is a very important word in that sentence, I think. Again, this is a signal. It doesn't seem like... It's limiting traffic only to the, a certain number of pages. If you want to maintain that type of control, you need to make sure you have a final URL expansion turned off. Um, but maybe this could help without final URL expansion. Next up, she talks about experiments. It says experiments to test how PMAX can drive incremental conversion and conversion value. I don't think this is news. It seems like the same experiment announcement that they already had where you're testing it against your standard search or standard shopping campaigns and i'm gonna think that pmax will win next up she says asset group level reporting will soon include conversion value cost and other metrics thanks <laughs> i thought it was really really silly that we didn't have that before and i'm glad we do now finally she says budget pacing insights on the insight page will surface opportunities to optimize your budget allocations including where you could shift budgets between campaigns to get more conversions I was so excited the last time we got a budget pacing announcement from Google Ads and I was really let down with that page that did nothing for B2B people with ad schedules. So again, we'll have to see how that looks. Oh, also in the article, she doesn't put this in her tweet, but there's new video creation tools that used to only be in the asset library. Now you'll be able to do that right from your PMAX campaign. And we know it's really important to have video assets or they make bad looking video assets for you. So hopefully more people will take advantage of that. All in all, I would say... A good week. Sort of. Because where Google and Ginny giveth, they also taketh away. I have a tweet from Ginny here that says, Today we began notifying affected advertisers of changes to simplify and align campaign location targeting settings across campaign types starting in March. Here's what's happening and why. And when she says today, she tweeted this on Monday, 
February 27th, and as I am reading this, it is Wednesday, March 1st. As you're listening to it, it is already the 3rd. So I do hope you've been alerted, and if not, here's what's happening and why. More tweets. I'm just going to read them directly from her. In target settings, we'll remove the search interest people searching for your target locations option, which had very low adoption. You'll still be able to target presence or interest or just presence. Another tweet from Ginny, the option to exclude presence or interest, people in regularly in or who've shown interest in your excluded locations will be removed. We have heard that many found this confusing and saw low performance impact. Campaigns will still exclude people in your excluded locations. That is a lot. We will have the link so you can read that as many times as you need to to understand it. She also shared a link to the updated Google Help Doc that talks about this. There's a handy notification box that expands on what's going to happen to your campaigns. Basically, campaigns that use search interest targeting are going to be migrated over to presence or interest targeting. And campaigns that are using the exclusion method that's going away, that's presence or interest, will be migrated to the presence exclusion. These changes will be consistent across search, display, performance max, and shopping campaigns. You may experience an increase in reach after these changes go into effect, and we encourage you to monitor performance, which but then you thanks can't for do the warning about it, right? Right. I guess it's just the first time they've ever said, hey, look at your stuff. We're making a change that's going to do something drastic. So I guess I give them props for that. It's not really comforting. Um, and note the campaign types, too. They say nothing about video or discovery or... LSAs, I know, are a whole different beast, but there's implications here. Drew Cannon asked a question in Discord about how this affects LSAs because it seems like it's even messier. And none of us here have experience with LSAs and nobody else was chiming in. So if you could, if anyone is not in Discord, community.marketingandclock.com that knows how this is going to impact LSAs, please help him out. Yeah, please. Yeah, because it's tricky because you would also put in like geo terms. For your LSAs, mm-hmm. but if your presence in, it doesn't matter if you're interested in. in. It's a whole. It's well, a, I don't do LSAs. We don't do local. Yeah. But even if you don't like the presence versus interest, we used to work for a big tourism company a couple years ago, and one of the things I used a lot was the interest targeting because right. I was targeting people traveling to somewhere. So I feel like yeah, you might say there's low adoption on that, but the people using it were probably using it really smartly, and. Ginny did say in another tweet that this came, this change is coming after a testing period and interviews with dozens of advertisers and agencies. It dozens could be as low as 24. I just don't, I don't like this. I'm sure a lot of people don't. There were a lot of comments back and forth. And I think as anything with Google, we're going to have to just adapt and adjust. But it's a pretty big shift for some people. Yeah. And it could have really big implications. And when you're saying low adoption, this is like a hidden setting that you have to know to look for in your settings tab. Yeah. So, yeah, if you're looking at Google Ads as a whole, a lot of people aren't using it because they don't know they can change it. But again, people who do know it's there are probably using it smartly. Yeah. And if you recall, there now is location reporting. As of three years ago, the location reporting is moved outside of the actual platform itself. So you have to go to the reports for that section. So... Just one other note on that. I'm just going to do a quick live meme here. (laughs) The how it started meme, how it's going meme, okay? So here comes the how it started. October 6, 2020, written by Ginny Marvin. Simplified locations reporting misses the nuance of user location. 
here's what you need to do to get that data too over on Search Engine Land when she was at Third Door. Google has been rolling out simplified location reports in the Google Ads UI over the past month or so. Anytime a platform uses simplified or streamlined to describe a change, we have to wonder if it's a red herring. Does it provide an easier way to get at the same access data and functionality, or is it simplified, wink, wink, with features and data stripped out? Hmm. That's how it started. Here's how it's going. Ginny, at Ads Liaison, now at Google, February 27, 2023. Today, we began notifying affected advertisers of changes to simplify and align campaign location targeting settings across campaign types starting in March. Sad. No words. Just to wrap this up, because we always love the Twitter back and forth, from Anthony Higman. He tweeted, Hey Google, thanks for two-day notice on this enormous change to how advertising works. I'm sure this will work out just great for everyone. Just kidding on the I'm sure this will work out great for everyone part. Amen. Usually okay. they give more than <laughs> one day notice. Like, this is February 27th. It's like starting in March. Starting like, in March. What? Yeah. Sometimes they give us no notice and we just have to find things. So yeah, well, I guess also kudos. On Twitter. Like, yeah. How about an email? Well, she did. Jenny did say that they've started alerting folks. Okay. I didn't receive said alert. So I don't know if it's just the alert in the form of this Google documentation. Or, who knows? Yeah. But I mean, Jenny alerted us. And we're here for you. We are alerting you if you didn't know. All right. What else is happening, Greg? Okay. I actually have some fantastic news and i think this is actually a game changer if you let this pass by this is what is going to start unlocking innovation in some of this chat gpt and ai technology OpenAI runs chat gpt and microsoft is a giant investor in chat gpt chat gpt now has an api called gpt-3.5 turbo it's the most powerful text generating model open ai offers today and it is an optimized more responsive version so advertise whoever wants to use chat gpt is going to have much better access to build tools right and having this api is what is going to unlock a lot a lot more benefits for people because you can only do so much sort of using that tool as is and waiting for it to work and there's a, a premium model and all that but when you're talking about like hey i'm an ad creation tool right now you're gonna be able to use this new api be able to pull in and generate potential you know text for your RSAs or something like that. So this API should be a game changer for what we see happen. Uh, the price is $0.002 or like, it's not even two cents. It's uh, a fifth of a cent, let's say, per 1,000 <laughs> tokens or using 750 words. So it's not too expensive um, and it can according to OpenAI, drive a lot of non-chat applications. So a few people that are using it are Snap, Quizlet, Instacart, and Shopify. Uh, really cool. And also a big, big addition for usage of ChatGPT within Bing is the fact that Windows 11 is now bringing the AI-powered Bing to the taskbar. So if you are on your desktop and you are searching in the little search box that Windows machines have, you will have the ability to use ChatGPT within Bing. 
I tested it out. It's still a little bit wonky. It does. It sort of takes you to a, a, a interface, and then you have to like switch over and go to chat. But it's very, very nice. And I was like, I wanted to pull up an example that they gave. It's like, what are a six a three course meal for vegetarians if you're having six people over for a dinner party? And it gave a list of what you could cook. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to change it quick and see what happens. And I'm going to change vegetarian to keto and see if it understands it. It gave um, keto Parmesan chicken, cheese balls, something like that, and a mm. chocolate uh, low-carb cake. So really cool. And that's one of the things that Google has, that Microsoft has that Google doesn't, right? They, there's kind of like Chromebooks and things like that. But the majority of at least business users are on Windows. So Glenn Gabe says, we have Bing Chat, Bing Chat in the Edge sidebar, and now Bing Chat in the Windows 11 taskbar. Microsoft is moving fast. I'm sure Google will implement BARD across Chromebooks and Android, but it's still in the works. Exciting times in search land. So everything is looking up for Microsoft. I hope that they don't fumble it somehow. And to me, the biggest thing is still if Apple ever breaks their contract or, or not breaks, but changes their main search provider from Google to something like Bing, that's when it'll get really interesting. That's what we need. Really get some competition going. But I think they Google plays like 10 billion or something like that a year. It's, it's close. So really fun times in chat GPT land. Now it's time for this week's take of the week. This is a hashtag fire digital marketing take with extra spice served up for you. We simply deliver the take for your consumption. We give no opinions. We don't influence. You make the call. This week's take of the week comes from the one, the only PPC Kirk at PPC Kirk on Twitter. And PPC Kirk says, happy Monday. I've been pondering. I think more PPCers need to be willing to test PMAX hard. And if it's not clearly increasing incremental sales at a lower cost, quote, as promised, parentheses, we should kill PMAX after a fair testing period. If PMAX performs the same as your standard setup, then you're getting the same results at decreased reported data and insights. You lose in that scenario. Let's force Google to give more insights with PMAX by voting with our budgets. He then quote tweeted himself and says, what I'm suggesting is pretty simple. Hold Google to their claims. If Pmax wows you, great, and use it. If you test it fairly, and it doesn't actually obviously win, then don't accept fewer insights and kill it. A tie is a lose for the advertiser because you get less back. This is fantastic. So Ben from Google said, love this. The major problem I see is the test it fairly comment is impatience is very hard to beat. That's why Kirk says to test it fairly. And what he's saying is correct. If you are just doing the same with performance max as without performance max, you're actually doing worse because you're not getting insights into certain keywords that are performing well, insights as to what your customers are looking for, more data as to where they are. So you're actually doing worse even though the performance is the same. I love it. We don't take sides here, but Kirk, you're absolutely correct. Now it's time for this week's ICYMI. ICYMI people, this is something you just might not have seen. Maybe something that you overlooked, but you shouldn't have. 
I see why my people from one of our favorite analytics follows Chris Decidon at Chris Decidon on Twitter. Google's about to start auto-migrating your universal analytics properties to GA4 for you. But you do not want actually <laughs> want to do this for many, many reasons. Already set up GA4, you might still be subject to auto-migration. Read on for more details about how to opt out. You people, this is a 31-part thread. <laughs> Krista is amazing. She could have done so much with this information, and she just decided to put it on Twitter for the world, and we love her for it. So she starts with defining what Google's definition of haven't migrated means, because it could be that you actually haven't migrated, or it could be that you started migrating and haven't finished it, and they're going to fill in the gaps for you, or it could mean that you have set up a new account, but you haven't linked it to your UA account, um, and kind of what all those different scenarios and how they're going to affect you. Then she talks about the setup wizard and that she actually really likes it, but it's important to use a setup wizard yourself and not just have Google set up your whole account automatically and how to do that. And then she gets into how to opt out, which is really, really important. So if you are one of the many, many people who has been dragging your feet a bit on your GA4 setup, take Krista's advice. Don't let Google do it for you and do it yourself. Now it's time for this week's Pew Pew lightning round at this point in the show we split up our content into three parts paid organic and social you already know that call tracking metrics can help fill in gaps in your marketing data by including attribution from phone calls but did you know that ctm offers omni-channel marketing tools to also attribute every form text and chat down to their source and keyword level. This is something that I was really impressed by and surprised by when we got our demo of CTM. First, it's more than just calls. They can track live chat, text, email, form submissions, really giving you the whole picture. And as an ads person, I was so impressed of how well it integrates with Google Ads. You can see what keyword triggered an ad click and the salesperson can see that while they're on the call talking to the person, which I think is really valuable information and can help you close those deals. And Greg was really impressed by the conversion tracking and has been telling all of our clients about it this week, right? Yeah, well, I mean, there's call tracking where you see where a call originated from and you can listen to it. But they put the metrics in call tracking metrics where for an additional cost, you can transcribe a call. And if somebody says certain terms on the phone, it can then be flagged to say, yep, send that as a conversion back directly to Google Ads. So if you have a script and you say, thank you for booking your demo, it is confirmed. You could have the term, if you hear the word confirmed and book a demo, then it counts automatically as a conversion in Google Ads. And that's one of those areas where making sure you're importing and getting things back, not just a call, but a successful call. It's the metrics that are offered in this software that can really put you apart from your competition and not take career-based calls or somebody that's trying to sell you something. You can then attribute only the best of the best, the real conversions back only with call tracking metrics. Right. We've been super impressed, but don't just take our word for it. Visit calltrackingmetrics.com to learn more about CTM's conversation analytics platform 
for the full customer journey. That's calltrackingmetrics.com. Thank you, CTM. Getting into the paid news this week, Ginny had another announcement from her at ads liaison account for Google Ads people. She said, a couple of search week product updates automatically created assets are now available to all advertisers in English as an open beta and the new customer acquisition goal is now fully rolled out for search campaigns. She does not mean assets, meaning formally extensions. This is essentially telling Google that they can like rewrite your ad copy. It's something you can opt in or out of in your settings. So just confusing nomenclature there. Um, and then the new new customer acquisition goal for search campaigns, you can choose to either optimize a campaign to bid higher for new customers or optimize to exclusively bid for new customers only. So we love that feature. And make sure you update your customer match regularly if you want that to happen. And if you have a low match rate, it may not work for you. Next up, some meta ads news. Andrew Ferris at Andrew J. Ferris said, Hey, Mr. Yanni Levy, for anyone else really, is there any documentation anywhere about the ideal and or maximum number of ads in an asset or ad sets in a CBO campaign for the machine learning to be optimal? Yanni replied from his Mr. Yanni Levy Twitter account and said, generally our formal guidance has been to aim for five or fewer ads per ad set. Advertisers that exceed this limit aren't getting a clean read on the potential of ads five, six, seven, and eight. Sounds like a cheerleading. <laughs> Five, six, getting ready. seven, eight. Um, he goes on to say that Advantage Plus shopping campaigns can handle more ad volume, maybe as many as 25 plus ads was the number he threw out there. Anyway, I had never heard of Yanni before, and he is a marketing solutions person at Meta, and it sounds like he's spilling all the tea and giving insider secrets that I wish we were getting from Google people. So definitely someone you want to follow if you have the distinct honor and pleasure of working in meta ads. And that is at Mr. Yanni Levy. <laughs> Harrison Jack Hep from his at Harrison J. Hep Twitter account has another ICYMI for us. He says, if a local radio, TV, or newspaper is offering digital ad placements as part of an advertising package they're selling to you, be really careful. They tend to be low quality placements with highly inflated costs. A bunch of people were replying to this with horror stories about things that they've seen in the cost breakdown, and that's when you can see it. Like somebody had a $500 package where half of it was boosted posts and half of it was the agency fee. Like just not good things. And then Gil Gildner responded and said, I've heard some horror stories around this. Seems like it's oriented around super small businesses and old school ad agencies, but they'll charge people. 5k for a digital package and just turn around and spend a thousand on adwords express i hope that anyone listening to this would be smarter than that but if you're not i'm sure you're smart in other ways but don't do this (laughs) but you're also you're also probably a very nice person that's trusting somebody selling you an an online advertising package and you don't know what you're getting and they're saying it's five thousand dollars and we'll put it put you on google and then they do but it's a fraction of what yeah. they're actually paying. Reach out to us. Join us in Discord, community.marketingclock.com. We'll help you. We'll help you. Next up, this is a letter from Google Ads, an email. Greg, is this what, where yep, you got this? I got an email. Okay. In May 2023, the Google Ads malicious or unwanted software policy will be split into three separate policies, malicious software, compromised sites, and unwanted software. We will begin enforcing these policies on May 9th, 2023 with full import enforcement ramping up over approximately four weeks. 
basically what you need to know is they're not messing around with this. Now it's split up into three parts. So depending on what piece of this you're not in compliance with, the punishment's going to be different. You might get a seven-day warning. Your whole account might be suspended. I think we all need to be worried because we learned last week that they're giving faulty disapprovals all over the place. So just be careful and don't send people to spammy sites that are going to give them malware, please. And I saw a funny tweet from Drew Cannon at DC Digital US on Twitter. He says, personally, I think this is hysterical and is retweeting this email. Change location settings. Two days from an announcement made by a tweet from the ads liaison. Meanwhile, if you're running a scam, you get two months to make the necessary (laughs) changes. Which change makes Google more money and which one doesn't? That's it for paid. What's happening in organic, right? All right. First up from Neva, they've got a multi-perspective AI where you can now see results from a variety of sources and perspectives to give you a complete picture on any topic that you choose. It's called Bias Buster, and there's a slider. So the example that was tweeted out was for, uh, I don't know how to say her name, Majori Taylor Green. How do you say oh, that? Oh, I always thought it was Marjorie. I didn't Marjorie, realize yeah. it wasn't an R. I don't know how to say that name, but whatever. Marjorie Taylor Green, and you can put it in the blue section, and it makes her sound like evil incarnate. And then if you move it to the red side of this, it makes her sound like she's fighting wokeness or something like that. So you can kind of take the bias out of things and see what, um, using AI, what different folks think about a certain topic. Really cool. Nobody's going to use this. Nobody wants to see what the other side that you believe in is talking about. Like, that's it's a, it's a really optimistic thought about yeah. humans, right? No, I, no, people like hearing what they want to hear. That's what I mean. It's optimistic to yeah. think people would use this. I think it's cool because I just don't ever know what's going on and like what people are thinking. But it is worth a test if you want over on Neva. All right, and from Diago A Da Silva at D underscore Da Silva on Twitter, he says. Is this number new? 5.6 billion searches per day. And this came from these search stories about how search was changing. Ginny was on a bunch of these kind of search ads week. It was pretty cool. There were a bunch of practitioners as well as some Googlers and, and people talking. But I guess that number might be new if you're talking about the number of searches per day. However, I saw a tweet from PubCon and Lily Ray, former guest on the show at Lily Ray NYC where it was a tweet from Patrick Stacks of Ahrefs. And apparently there are 40 billion spam pages a day that are happening. So 40 billion spam pages are being caught by Google a day and there's only 5.6 billion searches? That's weird. And apparently you can run ads to them until May. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And from Barry Schwartz over at Search Engine Roundtable, he was recapping a Q&A session at PubCon. And said, Gary from Google gave a keynote. It was pretty vanilla stuff, but the Q&A did reconfirm a lot of what had been said in the past around authorship links and disavowing links. Went on to say it was a safe keynote address because he didn't want to see anybody tweet out anything incorrect. One of the things I thought was interesting was the fact that Gary from Google said that Google does not give too much weight to who writes your content. So if you get a Walt Mossberg to write a piece of content on your site, just because it's Walt doesn't make it rank well. If the content is written well, it will rank well. But by default, just because Walt wrote it doesn't make it rank well. Which that to me just throws another whole wrench into this EEAT where Walt could have all that expertise and experience, but maybe he has an off day. That was sort of Barry's 
item, which makes sense. If you write a garbage article just because you have it, the two E's, like whatever. Then it went on to say that Gary thinks that links are not as important as SEOs think they are and whatever. Like I think a lot of people know that. All right, next up from YouTube, we've got a letter from Neil, our man, Neil Mohan, and it's called our 2023 priorities. This blog post was incomprehensible. It <laughs> sounded like OpenAI wrote this thing, but there's a couple items I pulled out from here. Apparently, they want to listen to creators more about the importance of broadening accessibility for people who are deaf or hard of hearing. Great feature. They're going to have machine translated captions for mobile that will allow the translation to 16 languages. That's great. They're also going to give support to creators. They said last year we more than doubled the number of uh, creators and partners who get live help through chat or email. So if last year there were 10, maybe this year there'll be 20 people that get support. Also, viewers, this this I thought was like, really? Are we really here? Finally? He writes, viewers, the best streaming and connected TV experience. From its earliest days, YouTube has fostered community with viewers, and today we're giving people a better experience to engage with creators and each other. That starts with meeting the viewer where they're watching content. More and more, that leads back to the largest screen in most households, the TV. TV was our fastest growing screen last year, and we're seeing growth and momentum internationally. Have you not listened to the show, buddy? I don't think. If he is listening to the show, he's trolling you. So then I'm like, all right, finally, you're going to like actually help inspire creators to make longer form stuff to beat like old cable and TV. And he goes on to say, we're bringing the best of YouTube to the living room. The creators, people love the streaming they want and the useful features they've come to expect from YouTube. We recently adapted the mobile experience of shorts to a TV friendly format. How? I guess it doesn't he even doesn't matter. Get, he doesn't yeah. get what he's doing. He just doesn't understand it. All right. And then he says, uh, the last thing is podcasts. One area creators are increasingly interested in is podcasting and YouTube's second most popular destination for listening to podcasts. Apparently, there's going to be a way to listen to have an audio and video first podcast on YouTube with more regions to come. It seems like the audio is going to be YouTube music folks only. YouTube music is different than YouTube, which is different than YouTube TV. Um, and then there's going to be RSS integration that will offer podcasters another way to upload their shows to YouTube and give our listeners more listening options. Also, there is an embedded video here. I had flashbacks to Neil's video. Did you all watch this video? Yeah, I did. How much information was included in this 56 second short? It reminded me of back when we were trying to cram everything yeah. in the main news into like five seconds. Do you remember when we would just yes. talk really fast like this? It was like that. That isn't even a human voice in this. It was sped up. For I was sure. trying to comprehend one point and then they were on to the next. These I comprehend. People, I watched it three times. I that is nothing. not something you make a short about. We could watch it on TV, though, and it'll probably be a better format. You just, how could anybody, like Elon Musk at least understands Twitter and stupid memes and what Twitter is for. These people have no clue what YouTube is about. You don't make a long form, here's what's happening in 2023 video in 50 seconds so fast you have to speed somebody's, literally speed somebody's voice up to get it going. Crazy. From last week, we've got a new segment here. Love is Dead, part two. Spotify is killing its heart button and replacing it with a plus sign. 
Okay, a new do no evil segment. The DOJ is alleging that Google is destroying chat messages that it was required to save during antitrust investigation. And they claim that Google was systematically destroying instant message chats every 24 hours, violating federal rules to preserve potentially relevant communications for litigation. The Department of Justice alleged in a filing that became public on Thursday. So there's that. And then now we're on to the, the Chatter GPT. There's so much AI news, I'm gonna fly through it. So the Chatter GPT section, AKA the real intelligence about the artificial intelligence of Chat GPT, Llama, and Bard. So Meta is continuing to do their own AI work and they released a new AI language generator named Llama today. Yeah. Llama isn't like Chat GPT or Bing. It's not a system anyone can talk to. It's a research tool that can help democratize access in this important, fast-changing world. Ugh, jeez. You know, I bet I know what the what Llama would say if it was asked to leave Meta and go to Microsoft. Is this a chat? Uh, packing my bags. Oh wow! All right. From the information, Elon Musk is teaming up to develop an open AI rival to fight, quote, woke AI, end quote. And I guess the reason this is important is Musk actually co-founded OpenAI, which is led to ChatGPT back in 2015. So whatever. Good luck, Elon. I don't know what you're ever thinking, so good luck with it. Uh, and then next up, YouTube is expanding multi-language audio tracks to more creators. And Mr. Beast is saying it supercharges the heck out of videos, and he probably offered somebody $1,000. Uh, another, this is from FTC.gov. It is one of the stupidest articles I've ever read. It's called Keep Your AI Claims in Check, is what it is. This is the first paragraph from the FTC.gov. A creature is formed of clay. A puppet becomes a boy. A monster rises in a lab. A computer takes over a spaceship. And all manner of robots serve or control us. For generations, we've told ourselves stories using themes of magic and science. You're the FTC. Just tell me what I need to know. Give me the rules. Why are you writing? This sounds like a bad AI wrote this article. It's beautiful. Like, Man, this is a Wendy's, and I don't want this. Um, and so it goes on to say, if you, the FTC is is going to be closely watching if you are exaggerating what your AI product can do, if you're promising it's an AI product, but it, it isn't AI and actually using it all, if you're promising that the AI product is something better than a non-AI product, but it doesn't, if there's risks, I don't know, the FTC is looking at AI. And then if you are a content writer and you want to know what chat GPT means for you, our own Heather here at Cypress North wrote an article um, and covers what uh, AI means for content writers, some of the restrictions, how it can actually help you, and then the bottom line, if you should be worried or not. And I don't think Heather is worried at all. So um, that's it on the AI side. That's it in organic. What's happening in social, bud? All right. First up in social this week, Visco is growing into a legit social network for photographers, says TechCrunch. The article goes on to talk about how the platform is as antisocial as social media can get. They don't have likes or comments on posts. Um, love isn't dead there. It's never been alive. But they are leaning into the community element in a different way and continuing to find or I guess find ways or have people find ways to foster creativity and spark conversation. That was a mouthful. Um, they're rolling out some new features later this month here in March, making it possible for users to share text-based posts on spaces. Be careful there. Um, 
letting users message each other regardless of follow status and a whole lot more. So if you use the platform and you're super visual, you can check that out. All right, from Turner Novak at Turner Novak on Twitter, Spotify is redesigning its app to create a TikTok-like feed. And Turner shared something from Bloomberg that essentially says sources that have seen it describe it as similar to TikTok's functionality in which instead of selecting from a long list of carousels featuring static cover art, the interface will allow listeners to swipe vertically through content recommendations that play automatically. So it's a pretty significant change, more so probably than hearts to pluses, but big things may be coming. Uh, from TechCrunch, Bluesky. Is that how we say it? No. <laughs> blue Sky. The tw- Jess, <laughs> yeah. you really blueski that pronunciation. Well, it just sounds like brewski and I'm thirsty. Uh, blue Sky, the Twitter alternative backed by Twitter co-founder and CEO Jack Dorsey, has hit the app store and more testers are gaining access. The app is still only available as invite only, but this obviously signals that a public launch could be coming because it's in the app store. Speaking of alternative birds, if you're looking to get into Mastodon, Mammoth is here to help you. It is an app that will help you browse and switch between timelines, post content, do all sorts of other shit. <laughs> you got llamas and alpacas that are not the same. Mammoths and mastodons are not the same. I looked it up. Mastodons were shorter and stockier than mammoths with shorter tusks. I don't understand why everything has to just be... What is st- Snuffy from... He's a snuffleupagus. He's an imaginary creature. He's like a hairy elephant. He's none of those things. Oh, okay. Right? Yeah, he's not real like a centaur or something. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. Anyway, mammoths were grazers, and uh, their molars have flat surfaces for eating grass. So there you go. Meta is testing its Be Real style roll call feature in Messenger. Matt Navarra has a first look at it. So if you're watching us on video, you can see the screenshot, or you can just grab the link if you're not watching us to see what it looks like kind of. It's funny because it's like there's not even much content to graze on over there. All right. WhatsApp is apparently toying with the idea of a private newsletter feature. So get excited if that ever comes out. TikTok announced that it is launching an aptly named Sounds for Business, which is a collection of sounds designed as templates for easy marketing content creation, including a mix of music, voiceover, and other sound cues. So I just really hope there's an air horn. Biz Sounds sounds like... Money what is it? It's like a rustling papers? Yeah. All right, a couple of serious notes from the Meta Newsroom. I'm just going to read the tweets. We worked with the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children to design a new platform that finds and removes young people's intimate images online. Instagram and Facebook are now founding members of Take It Down, a new platform um, from the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. So that's great. Love to see that. They also tweeted, today as part of our quarterly transparency reporting, we're sharing updates on the actions we've taken to protect public debate and people's ability to connect during the war in Ukraine and the protests in Iran. And they shared more information about that as well, which love to see it. All right. Sup, Twitter. Sup with you. Down. Morale is down. Twitter Blue had Esther Crawford is out at Twitter. She led Twitter Blue and the company's payments project. Now she and much of her team have been let go. That is from The Verge. She and her team are not the only ones from Platformer, apparently, after being told three months ago that layoffs were done. Over 200 employees recently tried to log into their devices and find that they were locked out. So at 
from Twitter. This includes product managers, engineers, and a number of people in data science, not to mention founders of several companies that Twitter had acquired, and they were apparently on a do not fire list. No longer the case. Um, and the acting head of sales is gone too. So I don't know if it's too soon to make this joke, but things are looking pretty blue. Incredible there's a do not fire list. Well, it doesn't mean anything, clearly. Right. So I get signed out of my Google account like three times a day, and now I'm going to be worried every time that I'm fired. Nothing so to worry about. <laughs> you're on the do not fire list. Chef. <laughs> now it's time for this week's WTH. Misguided. I hated all of that. I'm like, who does that? <laughs> get rid of that. Where we rant, rave, and roll our eyes about a trending digital marketing topic. What are we coming to? Honestly. See what had us asking. WTH. This week. In this week's WTH, we've got Mike's charts with Greg. Huh? Mike Ryan at Mike Ryan Retail on Twitter has a chart from a Google created slide. And he says, only a Google rep could build a slide showing that CPCs are consistently up year over year and say that they're going down. The little bubble that says minus 28% LOL. And if you can see this chart that's up on screen, if you're watching on YouTube, go check it out and please subscribe. It says costs are down with an arrow and the average CPC year over year is still on average 25% up, but it was so much higher up at the March 2022 and it's just less up, but it's still up. It's a very misleading chart. And I got these business cards in the mail that say Greg Finn, Cypress North chart experts. I don't know who did this. Actually, I do. I, I think Boris just tweeted. Boris Beckerack, who is on our top 50 PPCers list, sent me these, and it says charts expert, so I know, and this is a bad chart, and thank you, Boris. I'm going to tweet you back in a minute here when we're done with the show. I just always think about our audio-only listeners listening to you describe these charts. <laughs> this chart is ridiculous. It's worth going to community.marketingclock.com to get all the notes and see this one. Or just go follow Mike Ryan at Mike Ryan Retail. You have lots of options. It's on you to look at this chart. <laughs> and that brings us to our real life segment, straight out of our accounts and into your ear holes. It's time for working hard or hardly working, where we talk about what's going on in our IRL work, good, bad, or otherwise. Hardly working for me this week. I work with all B2B PPC accounts and February is just a tough one. I feel like in December, we're always like prepared for it to be a slow month. And then in January, I feel like people have like new budgets for the year and they're ready to buy software or whatever. And then February is just the shortest month and it's slow. So I see it every year and it makes me sad, but hopefully March will be better. What about you, Jess? Working hard for me, we have a fairly large team here and we're across two offices. So I really appreciate our shared PTO calendar. You could do this in many ways. You don't have to have a calendar, but just a a way to see where people are and when they're in and out just really helps for planning purposes. It's something fairly new that we've implemented and I'm grateful for it. Gregory? Uh, Something working hard for me is one of my clients was not going on a diatribe, but was explaining the fact that that she needs to kind of like readjust some of upper management's thoughts on search and it's like usually that's me saying that to be like well search isn't as precise as it was before and search isn't as predictable and she's like well yeah we have to change the mindset i'm like this is everything you're saying is absolutely spot on it's these google is making things harder to use 
from a performance-based standpoint in many cases, and it's not as, as precise and accurate. And she's talking about this. I'm like, this is amazing. Like, I don't have to explain this. This is wonderful. You're doing the explaining. And I'm sitting there nodding my head, and it never happens. And I'm just really appreciative of it. I feel like, you know, hey, there's another person out here that gets it. Like, it's, it's awesome. Awesome. And now for this week's Cool Tool. As a reminder, our Cool Tool segment is not an official endorsement or paid mention. We're simply sharing something we found in our travels that may be of use to our listeners. And is really, really cool. This week's Cool Tool does not have a rhyme because I just did not have time. But it will save you time if you ever need to record something quickly on your screen or take a screenshot or both. It's awesome screenshot and it's a Chrome extension that is aptly named. You can shoot or grab what you need, mark it up, share it with just a few clicks. It's totally easy. I use it all the time and it's totally free. As always, we'll have the link in our newsletter as well as on Discord. So pick your poison and check it out. Now it's time for our must read marketing article of the week. An article so advanced, so in depth, so detailed that we simply cannot cover it in its entirety on today's show. This week's must-read marketing article of the week comes from Chelsea So from Leadocity over on Search Engine Land, and she breaks down what you need to know now that similar audiences are going away. She covers what similar audience segments are, why they're going away, and then has a great seven-step process on how to prepare for the removal of similar audience segments and what you can do, and then how to just basically get used to privacy-focused audience features and targeting on Google Ads. So it is a fantastic article. If you haven't thought through those audiences going away, Chelsea's got you covered. Thank you, Chelsea. And now on to our playlist of curated songs to work to. You can head over to playlist.marketingclock.com. Greg, what's going on marketing a playlist today? Well, I'm dedicating this month to you, Shep. I was listening to Lana Del Rey, the new song that came out. And what came on after, I didn't know the artist. But it was Maroon by Taylor Swift. Whoa. A couple curse words in there, though, came on. Yeah. You liked it? I liked it. Wow. I did. It's a good one. So I'm putting on my list in dedication to Shep. I don't know what it has to do with Lana Del Rey. (laughs) It came on. on. She's featured on another song on the album, and she's like not really on it. It's kind of funny. Oh, really? It just played. I'm like, what is this? Let's just keep saying the F word. Well, thanks for acknowledging that. It's a good song. She says it like twice. It was was aggressive, though. She says it aggressively. Yeah. There's a worse one. We'll talk about it later. Um, I will be going with Love You For A Long Time by Maggie Rogers. Jess. Uh, the Summoning by Sleep Token. It's a journey. Enjoy. You look really suspicious. I don't think I want to listen to this one. I think you'll love it. All right. That does it for today's show. It is now officially not marketing o'clock. But we miss you already. And we can't wait to see you next week. Thanks for listening to Marketing O'Clock. If you're looking for more information on today's topic, head over to marketingoclock.com slash newsletter to receive every single article we covered. We share the news as it breaks in our Discord community. Head over to community.marketingoclock.com to join. Welcome to this week's Shoot in the Heck. We're after our famous Friday news show. We don't talk about marketing anymore. We just... Shoot the heck. And Greg is back with another trivia game I heard. Absolutely. This week, it is March. And in March... (laughs) 
we have St. Patrick's Day. So we have some St. Patrick's Day themed trivia for you all here. Are you Irish? A little bit. A little bit. Yes. But I don't really celebrate St. Patrick's Day. But I just want everybody to be aware and maybe get some good like little tips and tricks and little questions you can ask other folks. Okay. Okay. So ring in as soon as you have an answer by saying your name and I will call on you. What USC wide receiver is the son of American bodybuilder that won Mr. World three times that was selected and on tables as the 112th pick? Uh, Amon Ra St. Brown. Correct. Amon Ra St. Brown. Tables has one. Is he from Ireland? What does this have to do with St. Patrick's Day? Okay, next Actually, up. Nothing. I thought there was something about snakes. Sharing the same last name as this iconic front man of Steel Panther, this pink starfish lives in Bikini Bottom. Jess. Be her- Patrick Star. Correct. Just one. What does that have Shep to do with one. St. Patrick's Day? Oh, Tables. they all named Patrick? Oh, Shep, you don't have one. You don't have one. No, Shep hasn't had, There's only you been two questions. Any. Correct. I don't know, Shep. Okay. <laughs> Next question. We only have six questions today. Possibly the most iconic method actor of our generation, this three-time Oscar winner has portrayed Jess. Honest Abe. Daniel Day-Lewis. Correct. Yes. Jess with two, Tables with one, and Shep with zero. Okay. Final <laughs> round. <laughs> Final round. What I note- guess he's British. That's the theme. Okay. Oh, what wow. Notre Dame. Yeah. Patrick Starr was British. You're right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I don't get it. Was it, like well, he's, he's dead now. Patrick. What Notre Dame wide receiver? Rudy. Son of a <laughs> incorrect. Manti Teo. Incorrect. You're out. <laughs> Let me reread the question. What Notre Dame wide receiver is the son of American bodybuilder that won Mr. World three times, was selected 207th in the sixth round by the Just, Green Bay Packers. That Amon Ra guy from the first question. Incorrect. Oh, shoot. I don't know his first name, but is it St. Brown's brother? Correct. Equinemius St. Brown. So He's saints. The They're all now. saints? Oh. Or Daniel Day-Lewis or Patrick. Okay. I still don't get Daniel So the next question this speedy superstar athlete and purveyor of mystical crystals has had romantic ties to Aaron Rodgers and was named IndyCar Series most popular driver from 20... Tables. Tables? Danica Patrick. Danica Patrick. Correct. Oh, there's Patrick. Tables took the lead. Final question. Tables three. Jess, two. This athlete and surprising artist provided backup vocals in the Kid Rock song half your age and has collabed with Darius Rucker on a cover of Bob Dylan's knocking on heaven's door. However, he is most known for his gnarly mullet that he sports out on the links while ripping heaters and once allegedly down five beers on the turn. Tables. Tables. I'm going to say Gardner Minshew. Incorrect. Uh, Patrick. (laughs) (laughs) Any guests? No, you Tiger made Woods. this game so I would lose. Tiger Woods. Nope, John Daly. John Daly. St. Patrick. Patrick's Day. You threw me off with athlete. You threw me off with that entire He's a golfer. Question. Can yeah, we get a tiebreaker? No. <laughs> There's only six questions. <laughs> All right, yeah, what quarterback won the Super Bowl? Uh, Jess. Jess. Michael Jordan. <laughs> Incorrect. Patrick Mahomes. 
Okay, well, I feel like I've learned absolutely nothing about St. Patrick's Day. And <laughs> you got a bunch of saints, a bunch of Patrick's, and a bunch of days. All right? Okay, well, that was what it was. <laughs> we'll see you next week. <laughs>